Then you will truly be successful. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good. Gotta work together. And we know all things work together for the good. Gotta work together. The good to those who love God. Keep God's word on your lips. To those who are called. Meditate on your day. According to his Hey everybody, it is day five of our 90 day challenge and I am so ecstatic about this particular subject today. We are now in a new book because Purpose in 66 explores purpose in all of the books of the Bible. We just finished Genesis and today we're starting Exodus. So go with me now to Exodus, the fourth chapter and the first verse. Moses said, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, says the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak. And when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. And that ends our reading for today. Again, the topic for your consideration of purpose is I didn't pick them. Excuses give us permission to settle for less than God's best. If you try hard enough, you can find an excuse for just about anything. I can't lose this weight. My metabolism is too slow. I can't break this addiction. Everybody in my family has it. It's in my genes. And as long as you're blaming the past, blaming the weather, blaming the family, you're going to get stuck. But today, you need to draw the line in the sand and decide, I refuse to live the rest of my life with the chip on my shoulder. If you can get 
rid of the excuses, then God will be your vindicator. That particular excerpt that you heard preached by Pastor Joe Osteen is important to me because I believe that calling exposes excuses. And when you are clear about your calling and you're also clear about the thing that disqualifies you from doing it, you always stay low. Pastor Joe Osteen, if you don't know it, he's an American preacher and the senior pastor of Lakewood Church. It's no secret, Joe Osteen pastors the largest church in the United States. This wonderful ministry in Houston, Texas, averages more than 52,000 people in attendance each week. 52,000. And this particular clip that I saw was in the beginning of Joe Osteen's pastorate. He televises sermons that are seen by 7 million viewers weekly, 20 million monthly, in over 100 countries. After hearing this sermon on the power of excuses, I believe Joel Osteen would agree with me that sometimes the biggest dreamers have the biggest excuses. Don Wilder says it like this, excuses are the nails used to build the house of failure. And I agree, excuses assassinate destiny. Excuses are parasites to purpose. Excuses are the thieves of time because the one thing you cannot get back is time. Excuses can paralyze your purpose because its main goal is to cause you to forget how important your calling is to the world. We wear excuses like clothing sometimes. They have become a part of our identity and excuses spread when doubters gather. Excuses spread when doubters gather. So if you show me a group of excuses, I'll show you a group of people filled with doubt. Excuses breed in the bed of unbelief. They move in when faith get kicked out. The same way that toxic drugs cannot harm you if you do not use them. Excuses cannot impair you if you overrule them. The same way that toxic drugs do not harm you if you do not use them. Excuses cannot control you if you override them. But the moment you are under the influence of an excuse, it will imprison you to a life sentence of fruitlessness. The main thing you need to do today is abandon the house that excuses built. Here is the definition of an excuse. A reason or the explanation put forward to defend or justify a fault. Some excuses explain information, but most excuses expose an insecurity. When I studied a little bit more about Joel Osteen's pastorate and how he became one, I realized that Joel had every reason not to accept this major position. He was one of six siblings, so he was not an only child. When his father, John, pastored Lakewood Church, they had already been serving 5,000 members. So the church was already large when things suddenly changed. Joel was not a preacher by any stretch of the imagination. Joel did go to Oral Roberts to study radio and television communications, but he didn't finish college there. Nor did he pursue a degree in theological studies or, or a graduate degree in anything theology. His first sermon was on January 17, 1999. That was the first time he had ever stood up in front of 5,000 people to speak to his father's congregation. Six days later, his father died of a heart attack. Suddenly, everything changed for Joel and his entire family. By the end of that same year, Joel was installed as the new pastor of the Lakewood Church and grew his father's church 
10 times larger than it was when he inherited it. This man has singularly helped to lead a movement that has grown that church from 5,000 to 50,000. If God can do it through Joel, then why can't God do that through you? Sure, an excuse is a reason or an explanation put forward to defend or justify a fault. And sure, some excuses are understandable, but they are not justifiable. I'll say it again. Some excuses are understandable, but they are not justifiable. And just because the excuse is understandable does not mean the excuse is acceptable. So you were speeding because your wife was in labor. Cool. Understandable, but it's not acceptable. So you didn't go to the job interview because you didn't have a ride to get there. Yes, that's understandable, not acceptable. So you didn't send your business plan because you figured nobody would ever read it. That is not only unacceptable, that excuse exposes an insecurity. But you're not alone. You are not the only person who has felt ill-equipped for the task set before them. In fact, all throughout scripture, we discover many people who have excuses that would have eliminated themselves from the dream, their call, their destiny and their purpose. And yet God still infused their passion without delivering them from their excuses. Jeremiah had a legitimate excuse. I cannot speak. He says, I'm young. The very mouth that he tells God he cannot speak with is the very thing God wanted to use for him to be a prophet. I wonder how many things that you're doing to tell God you can't, that God can turn around to use for his glory. Like Joel Osteen, he said what most of us say, send somebody else. But God put the word in Jeremiah's mouth. And basically he said, bring your excuse on the journey with you. But before there was a Jeremiah, there was a Moses. And in Exodus 4, we see how Moses goes to God and communicates an insufficiency. By his own definition, he is not eloquent. So he says to God, if you want to lead these people from one place to another, go use somebody else. What I love about Moses' story is that God does not say to Moses, I called you and you have a speech impediment. No, Moses says to God, you called me, I have a speech impediment. You never see anyone in the scriptures confirm that Moses stutters. You never actually hear God say it and you never hear Aaron say it and you never hear the people say it. Let me say it another way. Moses tells God, I'm slow of speech and I stutter. But at no point in scripture do you see Moses speaking to the people and they say, huh? Say it again. At no point in scripture do you see Moses speaking to Aaron and he says, huh? Say it again. And at no point do you see during the conversations that Moses has with God at Mount Sinai on behalf of the people that at any point in Scripture does the writer record Moses talking to God, God not hearing him well and then saying, Moses, say it again, which makes me wonder if maybe this excuse was self-imposed. Maybe Moses didn't even have a real speech impediment. Maybe he had a speech impediment in his mind. And what he formulated as an excuse in his mind became an excuse outside that no one else heard. It makes me then drive this point about calling that sometimes your stutter could be a detector that tells you where purpose has permission to breathe and where it does not. You know, when you walk through the airport and as you go through the terminal before you go past TSA, they have to check inside of this wonderful device. If you have any metal attached to your body, that same detector will beep 
when you don't need to move forward? Maybe God puts stuttering inside of spaces for us so that we know where we do not have the grace to lead. Maybe the stuttering is not even a disability. Maybe it is an insecurity. And if God never said to Moses, say it again. And if Aaron never said to Moses, say it again. And if the people of Israel never said to Moses, say it again, maybe God uses your stutter to show you where your gift is not called. And maybe wherever your gift is called, you won't stutter. So what if this disability is an inside insecurity that God is trying to use for his glory? Moses did have a legitimate excuse in his mind, but God allows us to see through Moses how God can still get the job done through us without taking away the issue from us. I'll say it again. Moses had a legitimate excuse in his mind, but God allows us to see through Moses how God can still get the job done through us without taking away the issue from us. So be warned. The more we explore the subject of purpose, the less powerful the enemy will make you feel. The opponent does not want you to win. So anticipate opposition. Expect warfare. Prepare for every dart that tells you you are not enough to show up, that you won't get accepted to show up, that it won't happen for you to show up, that it is too late for you, that failure follows you, that you are not wanted by them. All of that is going to come. Expect it and then reject it. Disentangle yourself from the web of excuses by shifting your environment, examining the root issue, and then turn your excuse into an engine. By shifting your environment, learn to surround yourself around belief. Hang around people who believe in you because your environment is important. If you lived in a hospital, you can't be surprised when you get sick. In the same way, if you stay around non-productive, purposeless people, you can't be surprised when you don't get anything done. Secondly, explore the root of every excuse. Like strands on hairs from your head, learn how to separate each excuse and distinguish the excuse that exposes information from the excuse that reveals an insecurity. Separate every excuse because some excuses expose information. That's the truth. But other excuses expose an insecurity. That's the lie. And as you get discernment and clarity around purpose, calling, passion, assignment and destiny, you've got to be willing to separate the lie from the truth. You got to be willing to separate the wheat from the tear. You got to be willing to separate the information from the insecurity. And that's how you explore the root of every excuse. Sometimes, my friends, exploring your own excuses will help you see why you are called to help other people who struggle with the same areas you used to struggle with. Finally, gain power to turn your excuses into an engine. In other words, your excuse is not a roadblock. It's a revelation point. You know this about me if you've been studying life with me or doing life with me or reading any books that I've written, but my pillars of faith are my grandparents, my grandfather who lived to be 80 years young, did not learn to read until he was in his mid 40s. So for half of his life, he could not read. Yet he becomes the pastor of the Holiness Pentecostal Church of Christ. And for 25 years, he and my grandmother lead hundreds of souls 
from various walks of life into an understanding of the gospel. I would not be here if he let his excuse remain an excuse. So what will others not benefit from if you keep reminding yourself of why you can't? Do it afraid. Turn every excuse into an engine and instead of being impaired by it, be mobilized for it. You are called for this. Your excuse is like a thorn. And I believe that God allows excuses so that our ego can worship down. I believe God reveals the excuse or the insecurity so that we don't get in a big head, that we don't become arrogant, that we don't become focused on ourselves. But every time the excuse shows up, remember Exodus, because God does not tell Moses, well, since you have a speech impediment, take the sideline. God brings help to Moses and then tells Moses to still lead the help that he thinks is smarter than him. Arguably, Aaron should be the leader because of firstborn principles and privileges in the Old Testament. Aaron is older than Moses, but God says to Moses, do it anyway. Aaron is smarter than Moses. In fact, it is Aaron that now Moses mobilizes so that when he feels insecure about his speaking, he calls on Aaron to help him out. But what do you do when God brings a team or a staff for you that's smarter than you? You do it afraid. Today, God says, I didn't pick them. I picked you and I know what I'm doing. So do it. So what is your purpose project today? It is simple. This is a practice of awareness and acceptance. And I want you to find a space to journal these three sentences down and I want you to recite them as often as you can today. Put them on your refrigerator, put them in the car, put it as a desktop screensaver on your phone, put it somewhere that you can see it obviously and declare these things with me. Number one, say this out loud. I accept that God didn't call my friend. God called me. Number two, say it with me. I embrace that I am the person for this job, even when I don't feel that I am the best at this job. And number three, I will be who God called me to be unapologetically. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, I thank you for turning every excuse into an engine. I thank you for exposing the insecurity and also exposing the information. I pray, God, that we would not allow the excuses or the deficits or the obvious things that make us uniquely different to impede us from destiny. Help us, oh God, not to just say amen to this information, but to integrate it into our lives as we pursue you unapologetically. We will be who you called us to be. We agree. In Jesus' name, amen. Let the weak say I am strong Let the poor say I am rich It's because of what the Lord has done For all of us And now Let the blind man say I can see and let the lame man say, I can walk. Away.
because of what the Lord has done for all of us. I'm going to testify for some of y'all. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I don't have the words to really say it like I want to. So thank oh, I really want to thank you, Lord. You didn't have to wake me up this morning, so I Some of y'all's thinking might be different, but I had to put my brother in the ground on February 11th, and that's been the hardest pill to swallow in quite some time. And if you've ever lost a sibling that you were really in love with, it hurts to leave them there. It hurts to watch them dwindle away. He was only 50 years old. It was a painful thing. But on the fifth day that I began to pray, the Lord said, don't pray for his healing anymore. Pray that my will be done. I'm going to be honest with you. I got mad with God. I got mad because I knew when he told me to pray for his will to be done that anything could happen opposite of what I wanted. But then I began to realize he knows more than I could ever know. He's got me whether Kevin stays or whether he goes. And that's why today emphatically I can say you've been so, so good. 